Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. Have your Bibles. Go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Before we get started in the message, though, I want us to be some Bapticostals today. You want us to be some Bapticostals? That, you know, uh, somebody's getting in tune. I appreciate that. What I mean by Bapticostal, I don't know how many of you have ever been to holiness churches or assemblies of God or anything like that. But one of the things that they do that, that we don't do is they all pray at the same time. You ever been there when somebody's praying? We Baptists have a hard time with that because we're hearing somebody else pray and we can't think about what we're saying. But they don't have any problem with it. They all pray at the same time, all right? Now, I'm not going to ask you to pray at the same time, but I want you to do this for me this morning. This is the Thanksgiving season, and we all have something to be thankful for, don't we? I mean, we are, we're, for us to be here today, we're blessed. We're, we're blessed to be here. And we, uh, we already heard challenge this morning about the salvation that we have that my, there's a new name written down in heaven, and it's mine. That's, that's something to be thankful for. And all the blessings that God gives to us. So what I want us to do is, is I want us all at one time, okay? And I'm going to give you a chance to think about it. I want us all at one time to say out loud, to out loud to ourselves and to God, all right? And whoever else is listening, I want us to name three things Three things that we're thankful for. And I'm giving you a chance. I'm saying three things a few times so you can think about it, all right? I, I want us to all say together, and they don't have to do the same thing, three things that we are thankful for. And we're going to say this as a sacrifice of praise and adoration and thanksgiving to our God. Amen? So whenever I say go, I want you to just name one, two, three things that you're thankful for today as a, as a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. So, mark, set, go. Lord, I'm thankful for your salvation. I'm thankful for my precious family. I'm thankful for the help to be here, for all the blessings that you give. Father, you've heard your people. We say it in our heart, but there's power when we say it with our voices, that we are ever thankful. We realize that every gift that we have is a gift from you. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And we thank you for that. And today, Lord Jesus, if there's anything that we do in this service, we want to leave here knowing we have offered you a sacrifice of praise and adoration. For you are certainly worthy. This service is all about you. Our singing is to encourage us to focus on you to thank you, to praise you. The message today is all about you and how to have a relationship with you and to live for you in a fallen world and to take the examples that Jesus provides for us. And and Lord, today we just focus on you. And we want to set the tone today because this is the Thanksgiving season and our families are going to be gathering together as much as we can with the virus and and being safe and everything. But we're going to gather together, some of us. And, and I pray that on that, on that Thanksgiving day that we won't be so focused on what we eat or focused on what we're going to be doing, but we'll really be focused on thanking you and realizing that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. 
So set our hearts in tune with you today and this week of the Thanksgiving season, and we'll praise you for it. Now, I pray today that you'll open our hearts to receive the word that you've given to us, and it'll transform our lives and challenge us in our walk. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been focusing on kingdom living in a fallen world. We are called to walk in this world that is lost and fallen. Now, one day, Jesus is going to make all things new. Amen? And when the redemption draweth nigh, what a glorious thing that's going to be. When we have a new heaven and a new earth, and we're walking in perfect fellowship with God, and we don't have to deal with sin and suffering anymore, that's going to be a wonderful thing. But until that time, we are called to walk and to live in a fallen world. But because we are children of God... We are called to live kingdom living in a fallen world. That means because we are children of God, we are residents of the kingdom of heaven. The most important thing in your life today, if you're a child of God, is not that you're a citizen of the United States of America, as awesome a privilege that is, but the greatest privilege you have is that you are a part of the kingdom of heaven that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that you do have the opportunity and privilege that knowing that when you die, you're going to be carried up and to be in that place called heaven in that glorious, wonderful experience of being with God. You are a part of the kingdom of heaven if you have asked Jesus in your heart, if you have put your faith and trust in the Lord, if you have asked him to forgive you of your sin and you have asked him to be Lord over your life, If that's happened, you're a part of the kingdom of heaven, and that is the most important thing in your life. But as you live, you're called to do kingdom living here in this world. So how do we know and how do we live kingdom living? Well, the example to us is Jesus. Jesus was the invasion of the kingdom of heaven into this lost world. And Jesus came here to do kingdom living among us and also to be the means whereby we would have kingdom living to begin with because he died on that cross to pay the price for our sin. But as Jesus lived here, he is the example of what it means to live kingdom living. So if we're going to do that, we need to follow and see what did Jesus do? What was the priority of his life? What were the practices of his life? And if we will find out the priorities and practices of his life, and we will follow his example, then we will be better at kingdom living than we would trying to do it on our own. Amen? So that's why God records the word of God to us, the gospels, and tells us about the story of Jesus. One reason is that we would learn and understand, how do you live in this world? How do you do kingdom living in a lost world, Jesus being that example. So I want us to think about, over the next few weeks, what did Jesus do that we are called to do? And the first thing that I want us to focus on today and next week, I want to focus on the fact that Jesus, whenever he walked here in this world, he had a priority, a number one priority that Jesus had was to pray. All right, you need to write that down. What was it that Jesus did What was the priority of his life? You find it throughout the Gospels. You don't have to look for it very hard. You'll find out that Jesus was always praying. 
Jesus was always praying. Matter of fact, if you want to take a little biblical exercise over the next few days in your quiet time, just read through the Gospels. And as you read through the Gospels, every time it says that Jesus prayed or he went away to pray, just underline that circle that make that list. I'm going to get you started today on giving you some of those times when Jesus prayed. But we'll find out that it was a priority in his life. Now think about that just a minute. If Jesus, who is the perfect Son of God, he had no sin in his life. When he came here, he was perfect. He lived here perfectly. Sin didn't mar his fellowship or his walk with God in any way. But if this perfect Son of God felt that it was important for him to pray to his heavenly Father, how much more do you think it's important for us to pray to the Heavenly Father? Think about that. He's the perfect Son of God. If there were anybody who was equipped to walk here and live here in this world without praying, it would be Jesus, right? But that's not what He did. As the perfect Son of God, He has a priority in His prayer life. A priority In meeting with God. And if that's a priority of Jesus, and he's perfect, it has to be a priority in my life if I have any hope of kingdom living in this lost and dying world. That's the only hope I have. And so today we're going to be challenged by Jesus and his prayer life. Jesus and his prayer life. Remember what Jesus said, we talked about a few weeks ago. You remember what Jesus said? He said that he did nothing of his own initiative. But what he saw the Father do, that is what he did. Remember him saying that? What I I see the Father do, that's what I do. He also said, I don't say anything of my own initiative. I'm not the one who says it. But I say what the Father tells me to say. In other words, Jesus says as he walks here in this world, and he's totally, absolutely dependent upon the Father to reveal to him what he's supposed to do, and then to tell him what he is supposed to say. That's Jesus saying that. I don't do anything on my own initiative, I don't say anything on my own initiative. I do and say what the Father tells me to do and say. Well, let me ask you this question. When do you think and where do you think Jesus sees what the Father is doing? When when does he he hear what the Father says? When is that? Well, it's obviously that the Father who is in heaven is communicating to him, speaking to him, and having fellowship with him and what do we call that whenever somebody is here and we're talking there or hearing from there what we call that we call that prayer you can take a a five-year-old and say what is prayer a five-year-old will tell you if they've been taught at all prayer is talking to God and God talking to us So when Jesus says, I do nothing on my own initiative, I say nothing on my own initiative, I only do what the Father says, he's letting you know that the very priority of his life, the very priority of his life was to meet with his Father. To meet with God. 
to have that prayer time. I, I don't know about you, but, but I would love to have had more recorded about the praying of Jesus than what is. It was obviously very, very significant, and it was something that impressed upon the hearts of his disciples so much that the only thing his disciples ever asked Jesus to do was to teach them to pray. Do you realize that? All the things that Jesus did and all those things the disciples saw that they watched Jesus do, the only thing they ever requested him to do was to teach them how to pray. Well, obviously that made an impression, don't you think? I mean, they could have said, Jesus, teach us how to heal the blind. Jesus, teach us how to call the dead from the grave. They could have said, Jesus, help us to know how to multiply food so it can feed 5,000 and 4,000. Jesus, as Peter said, I'd like to learn how to walk on water. There could have been all kinds of things that, that they would have asked Jesus to teach them to do. But the only thing recorded in the Gospels that they taught him to do was to pray. Was to pray. Do you think it might be because whenever they heard him pray, they knew that he was in touch with heaven? Do you think it might be that as they walked with him, they understood that the ministry he did and the lives he touched and the miracles that he displayed were because he had prayed and talked to the Father? Do you think somehow in some way they realized that the priority of this man's life, that he's making a difference in the world, the priority of life, first not last, is always to talk with his father. Always to pray. To always spend time with God. I think that might be the reason they ask him to teach them how to pray. Well, if it's a priority for Jesus, it should be a priority for us, right? And throughout the Word and throughout the Gospels, we're going to find out that prayer is a priority. Now stop there for just a minute. Before we just talk about Jesus, who's the perfect prayer, let's talk about our own lives a minute. How are you doing in your prayer life? How are you doing in your prayer life? How much time, how much time do you spend talking to God? How much time do you spend casting your cares upon the Lord rather than you being anxious and carrying them yourself? How much time do you spend praying versus worrying? Think about it. How much time do you spend praying, asking God to do something, rather than you out there trying to fix everything? How much time do you spend talking to God, and more importantly, how much time do you spend listening to God? I dare say none of us pray as much as we ought to, but sometimes... Many of us go all day long without praying at all. And if we're going to be that way, and we're going to live that way, and we're going to live our lives without praying, 
we're going to have a difficult time doing kingdom living in a fallen world. Because the Son of God, who's the perfect Son of God, realized he needed to pray while he walked here. And, and, and prayerlessness is a sin. Uh-oh. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that? Prayerlessness is a sin. Most of us don't think about prayerlessness as a sin. We think it's a weakness. <laughs> it's just a spiritual weakness I'm not doing. No, it's a sin. Because he's commanded us to pray. He's told us to pray. Taught us to pray. He knows it's important that we pray. And if we fail to do, what is sin? Sin is missing the mark. If you should pray and you don't pray, that's missing the mark. That's called sin. Many of us need to confess our sin that we're prayerless in our lives. Prayerless in our lives. Well, the priority of Jesus, without a doubt, was to pray. You see it all through the Word, and I'll show you that in just a moment. The priority of his life was to pray. But do you know that there was a priority in his prayer life? Not, not only that Jesus prayed, but do you know what, the, you, know what you find in the Gospels that what is the priority in his prayer life? Let me, let me explain it to you this way. Whenever you hear Jesus pray, and you see recorded in, in the Bible his prayers, other than the high priestly prayer, which is John 17, John 17, everybody read it. We're going to study that next week, okay? That that's, whole chapter is the prayer of Jesus. It's the only place where you have an extensive prayer of Jesus. Wouldn't you like to hear? How would you like to hear a recording of Jesus praying? Would you like that? Wouldn't it be great? I don't have one. I saw some of you has he got it? No, I don't have that. Sorry. But if you can't hear the recording of Jesus, the next best thing is to read what he said. To read his prayer. And, and John 17 is the high priestly prayer. It's the only recorded prayer of Jesus. The only other thing that he gives to us is called the model prayer. The model prayer, or what some people call the Lord's prayer. It's better called the model prayer. I'll share, share with that in just a moment. But the model prayer is, is an extensive time... Other than that, do you know that the prayers of Jesus are sentence prayers? You know what sentence prayers are? They're not long. They're not extensive. They're just a sentence. A sentence are two. And all the prayers that are recorded by the Holy Spirit in God's Word, other than the high priestly prayer and, and that example of model prayer, all of those are just sentence prayers. Now, why is that important? Because it lets us know that when Jesus has a priority, his priority in prayer was more about listening to what the Father said than what he said. Did you hear that? Obviously, in Jesus' life, if he said, I can do nothing unless I see the Father do it, I can say nothing unless the Father says, tells me to say it, and he knows the most important thing he's going to do in his prayer life is listen to the Father, not talk. See, his priority in his prayer life was to listen more than talk. 
Because it was more important for the Father to reveal to him what he needed to say and what his agenda was that day and what he wanted him to do than it was for Jesus, even the Son of God, to talk. So the Holy Spirit wrote just sentence prayers that Jesus prayed in different situations because I think the Holy Spirit wants us to know that it's more important for us to listen to God than even our talking. So hold on a second. Hold on. Wait a minute. Before we get lost in the message and we forget to apply that, wait a minute, think about it. In your prayer life, in your prayer life, Whenever you're spending time with God, thankfully you are spending that time with God. In your prayer life, how much of your prayer time is you talking or you listening? Think about it. You know what most of us do? What most of us do in our quiet time? We start talking And we end talking, and we end prayer time. Isn't that true? How many of us sit there and wait and would give God more time than us talking, give God more time to speak to us? Do you ever wonder that's why sometimes things have to happen in our lives and and interruptions have to come in our lives? God has to interrupt us. In order for us to get down where we can hear him. You want to keep those deliberate interruptions from happening because God needs to tell you something. Stop and listen. Stop and listen. For he has much to say. And just as Jesus said, he set the agenda of my life. He's supposed to be setting the agenda of your life. As he said, the Father tells me what to say. He's supposed to be telling you what to say. See, the relationship that Jesus had with the Father is the relationship you're supposed to have with the Father. The way Jesus did kingdom living in the world is because he carried on that relationship with the Father. And that being true, we need to listen. I teach 5th and 6th graders Sunday school. I love teaching 5th and 6th graders Sunday school. They're right at childhood, but they're about to go into teenage years. And I like to make sure all of them have a relationship with Christ and spend that time with them. And the other day we were talking in our Sunday school class, we were talking about prayer. And I asked everyone, I said, how many of you spend time listening to what God says? And almost none of them would say, I, I listen to that. So we set a goal that week. I said, Okay, when you pray this week, give God some time to talk to you. Be quiet and just wait. Because this God who is alive, this God who is real, this God who is, is loves you so much, who, he sent his son to die for you, and he creates a place for you in all eternity. He has something to say to you. He has something to say to you. If nothing else, he wants to let you know he loves you. Have you ever ever heard God tell you he loves you? See, we're all about, I love God, and I'm supposed to tell God I love him, and all that's great. Have you heard God say he loves you? A lot of our problems with self-esteem and how we feel about ourselves would disappear If we would let God on a regular basis tell us that he loves us.
Because, see, whenever you find out that God loves you, it really doesn't matter what else happens in life. When you realize that God loves you, he cares about you, and especially if you can realize that he's pleased with you, I'm here to tell you that sets the platform of living life. Without that, you're at the disposal of who you talk to last. And, and you're only going to hear that if you, if you give some time and let God speak to you. So I truly believe that the Holy Spirit recorded this in God's Word so that we would know and understand the importance of listening to God in our prayer time. Well, something else I want to show you. You need to get your Bibles out and get ready because you need to write these down if you can't get there soon enough. I'm going to give you... I want to give you these times of prayer, just some examples of times of prayer. These are the places of prayer and the occasion of prayer for Jesus. Not all of them exhaustive. These are just examples, okay? The first one I want to give to you is found here in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, I want you to hear what it says about Jesus early in his ministry. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, uh uh-oh, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Look at me just a second. How many of you know that it's dark before, it, before daylight comes? Did y'all know that? I meet people all the time who never knew there was darkness before the daylight got there. Because they've never opened their eyes before that time. It only comes up when the daylight shows up. But listen, there's all kind of time. You know what Jesus did? Before it was daylight, he got up. And he went, says he, he got up while it was still dark, arose and went and departed to a lonely place. He went and departed to a lonely place. And what? And he was praying there. The first occasion, first place that you find Jesus praying is he goes to a lonely place. It's a quiet place. That's why we call it quiet time, where we're not disturbed. It's a, it's a dedicated place. It's helpful if you can find you a place that you like to go to regularly where you meet God, but it's a place away from the hustle and bustle. And, and let me tell you this, if you get to that lonely place or that separate place, if you have a family, you may have to get up for daylight. If, if you're waiting to get up to have time with God the same time your kids and grandkids or whoever is at your house that day is getting up, you ain't going to have it. That's not going to happen. Have you ever found that to be true? Well, I'm not going to have my quiet time right now. I'm going to wait, have my quiet time later in the day. Only to find out that it's now time to go to bed and you ain't had a quiet time all day. Jesus knew he had a bunch of disciples that were following after him. So Jesus got up, went to a lonely place for daylight so he could have time. What, why was Jesus up early? What was he doing? Because he was up early that day because the Father was to set his agenda. Did you hear that? The Father was to set Jesus' agenda. Before he began the day, he met with his Father to hear what his Father said. Not what anybody else said, what his Father said he was supposed to do. And the Father reveals to him what is the agenda for his day. Now, how do, how do I know that? Well, just read on down here. When he gets there, the disciples can't find him. They're all looking for him, and they finally find him. That, that reminds me of grandkids. You ever had... Whenever you get up, they're going to find you. Where You better be hiding somewhere or be finished. They're going, where are you? Where, where have you been? 
we've been looking for you. That's exactly what Peter and them did. All right? And Jesus immediately says, we have to leave this place. Look what it says. We have to leave this place and go to other cities, for that is what I came to do. Now, why did he say that? Because he met with the Father that morning, and the Father said, you're not to stay here. All these people would like for you to stay here. They'd like you to build a church right here and camp right here, and this is going to be your ministry. But that's not what you do. You're to get up, and you're to go from city to city to city, and to share, that's what you came to do. It makes a difference whenever you meet with the Lord each day and find out what his agenda is, rather than what your agenda is. And where did he do that? It says he did that in a lonely place. I want you to look at another passage in Luke chapter 6. If you can't get there, just write these down. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. You know what's happened in Luke chapter 6, verse 12? Jesus is about to decide some of the most important decisions he makes. He's deciding who the 12 apostles will be. What happens in verse 12 when he makes an important decision? And it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Have any of you ever spent the whole night in prayer? Jesus spent the whole night. He spent the whole night. You know why he spent the whole night? Because he had an important decision to make. And this is his, his decision. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also named as apostles. When Jesus had an important decision to make, what did he do? He went to the mountain and prayed. He prayed as long as he needed to. For him, the Son of God, making a decision, he prayed all night long because he wanted to make absolutely sure that he was appointing the ones that the Father told him to appoint to be the 12 apostles. You have important decisions to make? I'm here to tell you, if you'll pray about it, Pray about it more than you worry about it. You might be surprised if you'll be quiet just a minute. The Father will tell you what to do and how it fits into the Father's plan. Now that, turn back to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 31 and 32 You know what happens here? This is when Jesus gets word about John the Baptist, who was his friend, who had baptized him, who was the preparer of his way. He hears that John's head has been cut off by a wicked king. What it says Jesus did in verse 31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest for a while. For there were many people coming and going and didn't even have time to eat. And they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. When is the time that you need to go to a lonely place and meet with God? In a time of sorrow. In a time of hurt. time of pain. You had those times? You had sorrow? You had disappointment? You had your world shaken? What do you need? You need to spend time with God. Jesus himself needed to get away. To spend time with his father. Because the father is the one who heals our hurting heart. 
No one else can heal your heart but God. Others can stand alongside of you. They can encourage you. They can pet on you. They can do all kinds of things. But there's only one who can heal a hurting, broken heart. And that's God. And the perfect Son of God, realizing his friend had died, this ruthless death, goes alone and tells his disciples to come along. We've got to get alone for a while and let God minister to our hearts. Ah, look at chapter 6 of Mark, verse 41. You know what this story is? Whenever they come back together, there's a whole bunch of them there who are, who are listening to Jesus preach. And when Jesus preached for a long time, they get, they're getting hungry. And Jesus, everybody wants to send them away, but not Jesus. Jesus said, you need to feed them. The only problem is there's only a few fish and few loaves to feed 5,000. But what did Jesus do? He prayed. He prayed. And he prayed and he did what? He prayed a blessing from the Father upon the food, and the food multiplies to the point that it feeds all of And, you know, we always say feeding the 5,000. You ever noticed in your Bible it says there are 5,000 men? You all know that? There were 5,000 men. That didn't count the women, didn't count the children. If you put a woman with every man and you put about two children or three children with everyone, that's a whole lot more than 5,000. But whenever you're Jesus and you pray to the Father and the Father blesses it, he'll feed five or 15,000. It really doesn't matter to God. And he has left over what's needed. What, what did Jesus, Jesus gives us an example? When you need and anticipate a blessing, when you need a blessing from God, and what is a blessing? A blessing is God taking what it is and multiplies it to where it's greater than what it is. Well, you ever need a blessing? You ever need God to bless your checkbook? What about it? You mean God's concerned about that? God's concerned about everything. And sometimes we'd be less worried and ask God, God, I've got, I've got just a few fish and a few loaves right here, and Lord, you need to do it again. You need to do it again. What did Jesus do? He prayed. He prayed for the Father to bless and the Father did. Well, that's not all. Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 49. Uh, really, 45. After he'd had this busy day, feeding, teaching all these people, feeding 5,000, all this had happened. It says in verse 45, And immediately he made his disciples go into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he himself was sending them away. And after bidding them farewell, he did what? He departed to the mountain to pray. This is at the end of a busy day. You know what Jesus was? He was tired. He was tired. Yes, he got tired. He had a physical body. He, he, got, he grew weary and tired just like we did. But at the end of his day, how did he end his day? He prayed. He prayed. Hold on a second. How many of you have said, boy, I know I need to spend some time, but I'm just too tired. <laughs> I'm sure God will understand because I've been too busy. Jesus knew. Here's the perfect son of God. 
He knew that whenever he had had a long, hard day, that he needed time with the Father. And even in that, if you read the story, on, even in that, he's there at his time, and he's spending time with the Father. And his disciples are out there in the boat going across, and the storm comes. You remember that? And the storm comes. And while he's still tired and weary in the midst of his prayers, God sends him another agenda and says, you got a bunch of disciples out there who are scared to death, and you got to walk out there and help them. How did he see it? It it literally says he sees them at the oars. It was nighttime. There's a storm. How did he see them? He saw them through prayer. That's the prayer life of Jesus. One of my favorite places, though, is in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21. Jesus sent his disciples out. This is a great scene. Jesus sent his disciples out. And they'd returned, and they were so excited. They said, man, great things have happened. The demons have been subject to us, and we saw Satan falling. He said, I saw Satan falling from heaven. His disciples just thrilled to death about the power that God had let them experience. Listen to what it says in verse 21. And at that very time, he, Jesus, rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, talking to God, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and the intelligent and didst reveal them to the babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in thy sight. And all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who is the Son except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone the Son reveals it to. It says, Jesus greatly rejoiced. You know, part of praying is greatly rejoicing. When he did it, he did it in a public arena. This wasn't alone. When it came to rejoicing and praising God, he greatly rejoiced and gave praise to God. Oh, that's a vital part of prayer. A vital part of prayer life is, is praising God. Very quickly, John chapter 11, verse 41. I don't have time to turn there. You just read it when you get home. It's before Lazarus' tomb. And when he's about to intercede to see a great power of God, he prays to God and he says, God, I know that you hear my prayer. I didn't need to pray this out loud. That's what he says. I don't need to pray this out loud. But in order that these people might understand that I have a relationship with you and who I am in relationship with you, I pray this out loud. And then he calls forth Lazarus and a dead man comes from a grave. Whenever you're interceding, Whenever you need something to happen, you pray to God. John chapter 18, verse 2, it says that Jesus went with his disciples to a familiar place called Gethsemane. You know, it's a familiar place. Jesus had been there often with his disciples and fellowship there. In this familiar place, Jesus comes, and what does he do? He prays. He prays because he's about to face the greatest challenge that he had experienced while walking on this earth. Because he is going to be taken, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be scourged, beaten, and crucified. He knows that's going to happen, and he goes to the garden, and he prays to the Father. Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass, but not my will, but thy will be done. And he prays three times, and the Father says, this is your cup, this is what you have to take. And Jesus gladly takes and rejoices over the opportunity to be your sacrifice. My sacrifice. And the final place that you want to see Jesus pray is Luke 
23, verses 34 and 46. You know where he's praying? He prays on the cross. In the midst of crisis and great sorrow, great pain, he prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And then he prays, Father, into thy hand I commit my spirit. That's just a selected few of the prayer life of Jesus. I challenge you, go and find out where he prays and when he prays. And let that be a challenge to you and me about when we ought to pray and where we need to be to pray. Very quickly, the final thing I want you to see today is that he gave us a pattern to pray. It's called the model prayer. The model prayer is found there in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Very quickly, we'll be finished. He gave us a pattern of prayer. Now, people call this the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is really John 17. Now, why would I say it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the model prayer? Because Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And he said, this is what you need to include in your prayer life. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first thing is, praise God. You enter his gates in praise and thanksgiving. Amen? And he says, whenever you go to the Father, you enter by praise. So the first thing, the most important thing you do is to praise God. The second thing he says is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Surrendering our lives or submitting our lives to the Lordship of Jesus that his kingdom is is who I'm living for. It's submission of my life. When you pray, you praise God. The next thing you do is, Lord, I submit that you are Lord God. And that I submit my life to you. That I am living your kingdom out in this world. The third thing is this. Give us this day our daily bread. That's called supplication. You're asking for God to supply something. You need daily bread. You ask for daily bread. Whatever you need, the Father provides for you. It's supplication. Here's the fourth thing. And this is the reason it's not the Lord's Prayer. Because he says... And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus wouldn't have had to pray that. Why? Because he never sinned, okay? That's why it's called the model prayer, not the Lord's prayer, because Jesus didn't have to confess his sin. He was absolutely perfect. But you and me, every time we come before God, we need to confess our sin, because all of us sin. And then the final thing is he prays for protection. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now that brings us to the high priestly prayer, and we'll talk about that next week. Next week, we're going to look at at that recording of the words of Jesus that he spoke, that he prayed. And and, and you can read it this week. One One of the greatest things about that, do you know he prays for you? You know, when Jesus prayed, he prayed for you, prayed for me. Well, yeah, you, you ever said, ask anybody, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Well, the greatest person in all the world to pray is Jesus, amen? And he's already prayed for you. And then he promises that he will ever intercede on your behalf. This day, right now, Jesus prays for you. Jesus intercedes 
for you. I think that's why we get along as well as we do. It's not because we're praying, but it's because Jesus is praying for us. Just think if we would join in with Jesus and pray in agreement with Jesus, how the world might be turned upside down by the people of God who are made with the kingdom of God who are called to live in this fallen world. But the place you're going to be battled most is in your prayer life. Because old Satan knows this, if the church of God ever realizes the power of God and the importance of prayer and practices it, he and his kingdom are in trouble. Satan knows that more than you do. So he's going to battle you all along the way to keep you from praying. Do not let him win. (laughs) Follow the example of Jesus. Find your place. Let him be the example of praying as a priority if we're going to do kingdom living. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.